fans, Ryan Aho here, the one and only Bert Lehman and Coach Kraus in the house here tonight. How are you gentlemen doing here this week? Doing good. Man, a few words. You're like the color commentator <laughs> there on the movie Major League. You're the guy sitting next to Bob Uecker. Hey, thanks for adding in there, Bert. <laughs> Bert, Coach I figured Krause. you got a great opportunity right now to let our Pick'em group have it because... They think they're good and smart, but they're not. We all know that. And then you, you, you just you bailed on the opportunity, Bert. What opportunity? To rip on those guys. They're all talking smack because they're beating us oh. in the and all this and that. And they, <laughs> 19, well, nineteen straight races, they pick Bobby Pierce to win. Well, of course he's going to win. Well, let's, let's, I, I was just going to say when you pick the same driver for every race, I mean, there, there's not much of a challenge in that. It's you freaking guys, Kraus, I'm telling you right now, you, you're giving me crap about this, right? Now, I looked at last week's. I literally alternated Strickler and Lucas Lee. What did you do? Lucas Lee, all six nights, right? I had two nights I had Brandon Shepard, two nights I had RTJ. I don't know. I can't, You're giving me grief. I alternated my picks last week. I'm not sure what you were looking yeah. at there, guys. I, I took RTJ for two and then Davenport for two, and then you got to take Lucas Lee. I mean – there was nobody down there for the for, to begin with, and you knew Lucas Lee was going to win them all. So, I mean, I wasn't taking Strickler, and I, I, I'll never. I I took him in <laughs> my race pass fantasy tonight, and I just about broke my phone after I picked him. <laughs> hey, Michael Leach was it would have been a good guy to pick. He got a flat. We'll talk more about that shortly. Um, hockey this week. Did you did you win? Did you lose? Did you get thrown out of games? Your bus breakdown. Oh, any anything exciting? Listen, we're not talking about hockey this week. I'm not in a good mood about <laughs> hockey, especially after the debacle. Um, I and the three HL guys, they don't even know what this podcast is, so um, they're not listening anyway. So I can't get fined. I, I hope not. I guess you never know. Um, but it was we had a big time debacle on uh, had the first. We got smoked on Friday. We were bad. It happens. Um, and we the ref was it was a debacle on Saturday and won one hockey game and we're down five on three again and lose. So we won't talk about it. Bert, you heard it here first. On the hot seat, head coach, Alexandria Blizzard, right? He's going to be out with KOC. There, he's just gone. It just is what it is. Episode 211. Uh, let's uh little shout out here, Impact Health Sharing. So if you're self-employed, if you're a farmer, if you're in real estate, if you're in direct sales, um, if you pay for your own health insurance, maybe you have some employees, a small business, you cover theirs. And you're looking at it at the end of each month and you're like, good God, what am I doing? I'm paying like out of my ass for this. It's just crazy. Well, I might have an alternative for you. I have a product called Impact Health Sharing, been able to save people literally thousands of dollars. You go to any doctor, no in-network nonsense. Um, hit me up, 218-969-1380. I can get you a free, no-obligation quote, get you the information you need to make a decision. It's been good for a lot of people. Um, check it out. So, little disclaimer, we like to have a lot of fun, like to talk a little shit, like to stir up some drama. We like to do it all, right? So, if you're soft, if you're one of those kind of new generation people, your feelings get hurt really easy, this might not be for you. Now, just don't do anything dumb. We won't pick on you, okay? It just is what it is. But we'll say the good, the bad, the ugly, a little bit of everything. And uh, sponsors, sometimes they agree with what we say. Sometimes we don't. These are our opinions. And... Uh, we have, we have a, as you can see already, we have a few swear words in the show because it's racing, right? That's that's what we do. You ever been to the racetrack or in Krause's shop? That's just how it works. So there's your disclaimer. Breaking news. Breaking news in Wasota. 
right? We're getting to that point now to where we're starting to get rolling into the a lot of schedules dropping, a lot of things happening. The biggest thing that happened this week, though, Coach Krause, we've been talking about it. Big announcement in Princeton. What happened there? Yeah, Princeton Speedway is now um, <clears throat> obviously ran, um, I believe, by the Wagamans and Nate Fisher and basically the Ogilvy Raceway crew and 100% full with soda. Um, I know, Ryan, it's something we've been talking about to get some of these tracks back um, with soda. And Princeton was a huge with soda track for a lot of years. Um, huge down that area on Friday night. A lot of cars that ran there. So that is, that is big news, um, especially over in that area on a Friday night. Um, they needed a track over there uh, with that. So hopefully... Um, like I said, they got a heck of a Friday, Saturday night right now. So um, big, huge news. You know what's going to get ran well. You know they're going to do things the right way over there. So super excited to get Princeton back on board uh, on the Wasota map. Yeah, and the Wegman group, right? I've, I've known that family for a long time. They used to sponsor me. Between them and, and all the folks helping at Ogilvy, they're the folks that are going to be running the Princeton Speedway. I'm not sure who's all in charge or who the main guy is. Probably Nate. I'm not positive. But uh, I tell you what, um, if if it's any inclination what goes on in Ogilvy on how successful that place has become, they're going to do a good job here at Princeton. I wouldn't want to be them. I got to be honest with you, right? Running one track is a lot of work, right? A lot of work. Running two tracks, I I tell you what, they better uh, they better have some anger management classes. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. I I wish them the best of luck. So we got a few more things here in Wasota World. Before we get to that, though, how about a little shout out to one of our newest sponsors here? Hard Charger Performance Specialties. That's Nick Hoff out in Sydney, Montana. And, and I've known Nick for quite a while. In fact, he used to build engines for me. He built one in the mods. Thing was super smooth. I mean, that thing was really good. And, you know, he's done it all. Over 20 years of building engines. And he does a lot of other stuff, too. Gears, I mean, you name it. He does a lot of stuff. Check him out on Facebook. But he's out in Sydney, Montana. And another thing is the only dyno, you take a 500-mile radius, guys, of Sydney, Montana, it's the only place where you can schedule dyno time. So get a hold of Nick to get your engine on the dyno. Also, for you crate folks out there, Nick builds engines, right? But he's also the third um, representative, the certified engine, I guess, repairer, is it what, what it'd be called, for the crate engines out in that region. So he can definitely fix your crates if you have an issue. Also, shipping uh, shipping a non-factor. So it doesn't matter where you are in the country. He's got ways that are at a very affordable cost to ship your engine to and from Sydney, Montana to have work. That's Nick Hoff, 406-478-4437, Hard Charger Performance Specialties. Thanks for coming on board there, Nick. We certainly appreciate it. So I got a, guys, I got a fan feedback question here from Rick. All right. And it said, all right, this is Rick. All right, you with soda people that get feelings hurt? I'm reading the question, okay? This ain't me. All right, it says, I see with soda is now allowing Willie's Super Bowl carburetors in both the modified division and in the late models. I also see that Willie's wrote a big fat check to with soda for a sponsorship. Is this a slippery slope? Is the only reason that they actually put this rule into place because they got money in their pocket, your guys' thoughts. I'll let you're muted. 
Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna say yes and no, Ryan, to that one because it is something we did talk about at the meetings. Um, was that was that carburetor? And I can't remember where it was going down the road. Um, but you know, it was well. Let me put it this way: they first came out with the concept rule on the modify or in the Midwest mods. Guys showed up with Super Bowl carburetors because the rule said any four barrel carburetor. Well, there's multiple guys, including my my buddy in the 34. They're going to throw a, uh, a Super Bowl carb on there. So we did talk about it. Um, you know, on the flip side is I, I'm looking at it going this way. In order to get more companies and more business involved in Wasota, um, and obviously if it's within the rules, and hey, if, we're, if they're going to sponsor us and we're going to use their parts, I 100% get it. Um, I think it's a, just another opportunity for them to uh, get more businesses, more racing companies involved in Wasota. Um, can it be a slippery slope? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, people saying, well, why is this? Why is this? Now, when someone else comes in and say, you know, I, I'm going to spar and see you. How come you're not running my parts? So um, it could be a slippery slope. So hopefully they're uh, dotting their I's and crossing their T's and making sure they're doing everything correct. Yeah, and I got to say they got to be real careful here, right? So I did a limited, very limited amount of research on this. <clears throat> I talked to a few different people. And the one thing that I like about it is there's no, like, performance advantage on the dyno, right? So you're not going to – it's not forcing everybody to switch over to the Super Bowl carb and obsoleting what they have. So that's good, right? That's a, that's a good thing. Another thing is it's – you know, the people I talked to, they said – it's more user friendly, right? I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna bend a flow. You're not there's certain issues you're not gonna have by having this carburetor on. It's a little different. It's a closed system, so you got to do things a little bit different. Some people ran them, didn't like them. Some people ran them, did like them. Um, I do like the fact that it's not a performance enhancing thing. However, it's way more expensive, right? I mean, it's literally almost double the cost of their existing carburetors, and it's right around. Well, it's over a thousand bucks to have your existing carb converted to this. So I don't know. Is it necessary? I mean, you start looking at certain things out there, devil's advocate, right? I mean, we all agree that Burt transmission is a far superior transmission to an automatic. Maybe they should allow, I mean, look at some things that make sense to make those rule changes. Maybe that's in the future. I'm not sure. Um, roller rockers, right? Uh, a lot of people, some people are for it, some aren't. Look at that in some of the two-barrel classes. But I can see how the perception is, well, they wrote a check, and now we can run that product. Slippery slope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I did talk to a member of the tech committee, and it sounds like, and I'm pretty happy to report this, that it's a, a lot more of a cohesive unit. It's not one individual, and it doesn't matter who that individual is. It's not one person saying, hey, we're going to allow this or we're not. It's there. There's a whole group of people coming together, doing some research. So I think they're making a step in the right direction. So, so Rick, to, I guess Coach Carl said it best. Yes, slippery slope, and but maybe necessary because we're trying to get more marketing partners in Wasota. So um, overall, maybe it'll be a good thing. So, Bert, any thoughts on that? On on uh, sanctioning bodies, changing rules, and then immediately upon that. Hey, we got a new sponsor, but we're going to allow product X, right? Without knowing anything about the products, what comes to mind for you when you hear about that? I mean, I agree with you guys that it, I mean, it is a slippery slope, but I mean, I, I guess explain it to me a little bit. I mean, this carb doesn't give a driver an advantage over a different carb, does it? 
Um, from the there, limited amount of research that I did, no, on the dyno and stuff, it, it's supposed to not be a performance enhancing. It's just a smoother deal and, and uh, more user friendly as far as maintenance goes. I mean, as long as it doesn't give a driver an advantage by using that product, um, I don't have a real big issue with it. But I mean, I do agree. It's a slippery, slippery slope. Um, you know, you get a sponsorship check and then, you know, all of a sudden that product is allowed. But um, unfortunately, in these times, sometimes you have to do stuff like that to get funds. I mean, I mean, you've talked a lot about, you know, with soda going out and seeking sponsorship. And I mean, if, if they got this sponsorship, I mean, sometimes you have to give a little to get a little. Yeah, it, overall, it might be a good thing. I guess the jury's still out. We'll see how that transpires. So one thing that I look at as a positive, my sources tell me that, and I don't know when the last time this happened, but we know, we know that this is the final year. 2024 is the final year of Wasota's contract with Hoosier. We know that last year, right, they voted to increase the cost. They stuck with this that this year. And in different areas of the country, right, UMP, for example, tires are so out of control price with Hoosier that it's it's not a sustainable business model. Well, they actually, the board, the current board, took it upon themselves to talk to the various different tire manufacturers in dirt track racing. They asked for bids. I don't know the numbers or anything on that. But... They didn't just rest on it and say, hey, we're, we're with Hoosier no matter what. No, they went to American Racer. They got a bid from American Racer. They went to Goodyear. They declined because I don't think they build really dirt racing tires except the NASCAR stuff. Bert, Krauss, when, when you hear that Wasoda as a board is actually going out and, and seeking at least getting quotes on this on different tire manufacturers, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, go ahead, Bert. No, go ahead. Well, I, I think it's a good thing. I mean, you should never just uh, stay true to one company without going out and, you know, at least researching uh, the costs from a different company. Um, and by researching the costs from a different company, you're also keeping the your current company honest on what they're charging you, hopefully. Kraus, anything to add? Yeah, well, my, my big thing is, I, I think at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> from what I've heard, they're looking out for the drivers. They want to make sure they give the drivers uh, the best cost, the best price um, to help us save money. Because um, like I said, I know if them late model tires, and I, I've talked to a lot of drivers, um, obviously now that um, with my position here at Viking Speedway, there's a lot of drivers out there worried about tire costs. Um, so my big thing is, I think Wasota is doing the best thing for us, and they want to do what's best for the drivers. Hey, we have to keep our costs down, and then that's what we're going to do. So I'm excited that, hey, they're going out there getting bids, and they're looking out for us drivers. Yeah, tip of the cap to the board. I mean, from the end of the season, right, the, around the, the meeting time till now, this is kind of the most active I've seen an actual Wasota board for a long time. So I'm excited for that. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're not afraid to dig them when they need it. But the fact is, you know, it looks like they're making some effort. They're trying to move this thing forward, so we're pretty happy to see that. So, guys, let's jump into the top five stories of the week, brought to you by our friend Brad Parson, Brad Parson Soil and Egg Solutions. So if you're in western Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, if you're in farming, what are you looking to do? Make more money. How do you do that? 
higher yields, right? Have the right stuff in your spray packages. Don't know much about it, but I know that on, let's say, tires, right, the right chemicals give you better results. It is what it is. This is legal, right? You can do this. It's called having the right stuff in your farm spray packages. Well, what is that? I tell you what, call Brad because he has all the answers. He's done the research. He's got the data. He's got the numbers. Let him, he's part of the racing community, see if he can help you be more successful. His number, 320-219-3542. That's Brad Parsons, Soil and Egg Solutions. All right, guys. Number five. Big, sexy Brandon Overton with a homecoming trip to his kind of home turf, kind of where he kind of cut his teeth um, down in Screven, Georgia. Did you guys get to watch anything from Screven night one or night two? I watched both features. I watched the feature on Saturday night, night two. Um, and those, the, I, I don't understand it, but uh, those tracks and those fans down in the south, they love that hard black follow the leader one lane track for some reason and uh i mean overton did use the high side a little bit in one and two uh to get to the the front but i mean it was a stay down low don't get out of line and um on uh, type of a race and uh, another interesting thing uh scott bloomquist was uh doing some announcing so that that was kind of cool yeah, him and Dwayne Keith up in the booth. And if you've never heard Dwayne Keith, he's kind of got that WWE vibe. He's got that little different uh, different tone of voice. He's pretty fun. And then, of course, you know, my my buddy Changa, his favorite driver, just kidding, of all time, Scott Bloomquist. He's a Moyer guy, just kidding. Um, but having him in the booth, all them years of experience, that's kind of a fun deal. Garrett Smith gave that one away, right? I mean, it was literally rubber, Burt, in three and four. On the green flag, right? Everybody, and in, in, they said that. One and two, you can move around. But they got, um, Overton got to him. They got into lap traffic, and he kind of slid up to the top. He tried to maybe make something happen on the outside of three and four, and Overton went by him, never looked back. And and quite honestly, Garrett Smith stuck with him. He was right there. In fact, he won night one down there, Garrett Smith did. But he, he might have had the faster car there on, on night number two. But uh, the faster card does not always win. Big win there at home for Brandon Overton. Number four, let's go down to East Bay, the final winter nationals. Sun River, Montana driver Michael Leach doubles up at the bay. Guys, anytime we have a Wissota driver, he's also an IMCA driver, head down south, whether it's Arizona, right, or Texas, or wherever it may be, Florida, and they stack a couple wins, that's a big deal. I mean, Lucas Lee's no joke. Kyle Strickler, I mean, I know Krauss ain't a big fan, but he, he can be fast. <laughs> but Michael Leach ran really good down there. Um, he parked it on uh, Thursday. I believe it was Thursday and Friday. He parked it in Victory Lane. And uh, he's the son of Paul Leach. Now, who's Paul Leach? He owns Lowen, bro, and he owns Longhorn. Okay, so that's kind of the partnership. I, Steve Arpin is the face of Longhorn, but the the money behind that is Lowenbrod. That's Paul Leach from Montana. He also had a really good night there at the on the last night. Had a flat kind of halfway through, came from dead last. He just outside the top five with a sixth place finish. And guys, he came over to Wissota Country this past year um, towards the end of the year over to like Ogilvy and some of our like, traditional postseason invitationals, he was really good in the late model. I mean, he was impressive. He had a podium finish. 
keep an eye on him. He's down in Volusia. Michael Leach is going to be a guy to watch. Um, did either one of you get to watch either night that Michael Leach parks it in Victory Lane? I did not. Yeah, I watched. Uh, I watched both of them. <clears throat> Just a little tidbit on Screbin Ryan that you forgot to mention. One hundred Sport Compacts checked in. I don't know. I so we had a hockey game and we had it on in my office. Um, then we watched Screbin. It was on pretty much all night because they had sixty four classes. Um, the Crown Vicks, I don't know how many sport compact, but 100, 60 lap race is actually pretty entertaining. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't watch any of it. I checked the results. Ryan, I told you what was going to happen before the race even start. Garrett Smith and Overton were going to duke it out. I did tell you that. Um, you and did. Cherry picking down there, so we're not going to talk. We don't talk about cherry pickers on the show. But uh, no, uh, the leech <laughs> kid looked. The leech kid looked really good. He looked smooth. He looked fast. Um, he's obviously uh, the whole Longhorn crew's down there helping him out. And I know even before um, qualifying tonight here at Volusia, he said Arpin came up to me and told me what to do. So that obviously helps. Uh, but the kid can wheel um, and then hop in that mod and um, and do what he's doing. It's fun to watch and um, got to watch him a bunch last year, like you said, in the Wasota Late Mount. He was at the Wasota 100. And um, so it's kind of cool to see him do well down there in, in Florida. Yeah, and sounds like I talked to my buddy Bo Brown. He said his younger brother also is in a B mod. He said he's getting pretty sporty, and I, I think they own Electric City Speedway is what what they own out there in Montana as well. So that's a family right there, very invested into the racing community. Going to be fun to watch him um, over the twenty twenty four season. Number three, Bert, did you watch the Lucas Oil? You watched all the Lucas Oil features this weekend, right? Uh, yes, all the feet. Well, I saw most of. The- I saw all the heats except for Saturday, and I saw all the features, yes. So, number three, the best finish of all four nights, right? They had two nights at Ocala, two nights at Alltech. The best finish was, in your opinion, Bert, what would you say the best finish of the week was down uh, for the Lucas Oil races? Uh, it was the one at oh, – oh, it was the first night, wasn't it, when uh... – I mean, Tyler Herb led a good, most of the race uh, and then uh, uh, gave it away over the last couple laps at RTJ. He, RTJ just has like another gear over the last 10 laps and he just makes up so much ground for, you know, in those last 10 laps. And, you know, I was I was kind of pulling for Turbo to win it uh, in the in the post-race interview. They had, they said, you know, you haven't been running very well, so you got to feel feel pretty good about second and he said second sucks <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's what we like to hear we don't want somebody going oh no i'm happy with second no that's not a thing right so let's face it turbo being fast and relevant is good for dirt late model racing so it's good to see him get a good run so cross i got a question for you okay when when he well, they also asked him right in a interview after the race is down in the pits they said, what went through your mind when you saw the 20 RT? And he's like, I'm fucked, right? <laughs> Is, when, you, when he says that, and, and quite honestly, he ain't wrong because RTJ is the fastest late model driver right now, you know, so you're going to think that. But how much of an advantage is it when, when you're that fast and literally you're inside of everybody's head so much that when you even show your nose, they're like, oh, crap, I guess I'm going to lose to that guy now. What, you're 100% right. Um, you know, it, it's no different. You watch the scoreboard at Viking Speedway, and I had guys come up to me, well, the 29's coming up, up on me, or 
but here comes a 71 a you, you 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 know what i mean it happens all the time i had guys I had my, I was watching Scott Danzies and we had the scoreboard and people would say, well, I saw the five X get into second place and you lose your rhythm. You start panicking and turbo did that. Um, he was changing lanes too much. He was, he was horrible in lap traffic. Uh, he didn't know where to go in lap traffic. Um, and he had a good car, but I tell you what, 20 RTs in everybody's heads right now. Absolutely. I mean, when you got Davenport, he's in Davenport heads. He's in everybody's head. Probably the only one he's not is probably Bobby Pierce and maybe Hudson O'Neill. Um, but other than that, you see that 20 RT get into second place. He 100%. You're going to be thinking twice. You're going to you're going to panic. And um, Turbo, like you said, it'd be different if Turbo had won some races in the past. He knows what to do. He'd be a little bit more relaxed. But it's been a while since he's competed and beat these guys. So he's definitely definitely in their heads. And here's another thing, right? When you see somebody like RTJ or Bobby Pierce or, or a couple of these guys that they race everything, once the season gets rolling, right? They're everywhere. If Lucas ain't racing, they're at the Wool races. I mean, they're everywhere. And it don't matter if it's a big win, a little smaller win. When they're stacking wins over and over and their competition's looking at my race pass and going, shit, they just won another one, another one, another one. You're automatically, your psyche's like, man, this guy's about unbeatable right now. So there's something to be said for these drivers that are racing as many shows as they can versus some of the drivers that are kind of on a limited schedule. I think uh, when you get in the rhythm, you get hot. You better just stay on the gas. So um, night number two, not quite as good. Um, but local down there, Clay Harris, I think he's from he's from Jupiter, Florida down there. He should have won. I mean, he had the yeah. best car, and he got into lap traffic. He, got, he was approaching lap. He wasn't in lap traffic, but it was one lane on the bottom, kind of just trained up, not rubber, just the whole rest of the track was marbles. And it looked like he just went to the outside of three and four one time, knowing that he's going to get to lap traffic. I might as well give it a see what see what's there. As soon as he did that, bam, he lost the lead. It was a Hudson O'Neill got by him, right? And uh, capitalized, and he kind of stayed with them. But Clay Harris, a couple top fives he's made. Every show down there, that's a guy to keep an eye on maybe uh, this week at East Bay. Any closing thoughts uh, from um, the races at Ocala? Uh, yeah, I mean, we got to give a mention to, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, Blair. Uh, Snowdrift. Yeah, okay, whatever. I mean, <laughs> he had some he had some uh, great qualifying efforts, which put him in the front of the his heat races, but uh, um, he needs to master the, the, the racing a little bit more. He faded, you know, during the races, but I mean, great effort for him to to lay down the fast times and qualifying. He's got a quick car, but coach, you, you probably watch this too. The one thing I noticed with him, especially on the start is when he comes in the corner, his car settles and his left rear comes down and he skates up the racetrack. And the, the guys like RTJ, they're, they're keeping their stuff all loaded. Maybe it's something in his left foot, not trail breaking. Maybe it's the shock package, but uh, if they can fix that, I think he's got the speed. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. He's um he's got the equipment. He's got the, he just needs more lap time with those guys. You know what I mean? Different cars, um, things like that. So he's not afraid. I'm sure he'll be down there. He's down there all the time. He'll be East Bay Evolution, all that. Um, he's not a, he knows where the gas pedal is. Um, and I think he'll he'll get some help down there from somebody, um, for sure. And you know, it's good like like Bert said, great to see him up front and, and doing well, getting some good qualifying runs and that that uh, late model stuff. 
Ryan and Bert, its track position is unbelievably huge in that sport right now. And uh, anyway, you saw McCready's. The only reason why he won is basically was because of track track position. So that's huge right now. And every time they interview one of these guys, got to get better at qualifying, got to get better at qualifying. I got to get better at qualifying. The reason why Shepard struggled so much, he's been terrible in qualifying. You start behind these guys, tenth. You're not. You're not gonna. You're, you're not on a consistent basis gonna pass Thornton, Davenport, Pierce, McCready, O'Neill. It's not gonna happen. So, um, Snowdrift. He's got the qualifying done. Now we got to get the racing under control. Yeah, we're gonna call him the the modern day Terry Casey. Maybe is what we'll call him. Right, <laughs> kind of the same boat. So number two, you mentioned T Mac, right? First Lucas Oil win. Since October 8th of 2022. Now, he did win one of them split feature races in the in the mix, but his first ap- actual A main. So, night number two at Alltech, you said he started up front. What a, what a tale of two racetracks, right? Night one, it was rubbered up in time trials. I mean, it was horribly bad. And they went out and they had an hour and a half intermission. The track was better, not great. Night number two. Didn't rain or nothing, way more moisture, a little character in the track, and guess what? Way better racing. Water saves lives. Track promoters, you want good <laughs> racing? Water the racetrack. It helps, I promise. But um, on night number, we'll start with night number one. So RTJ getting it done, Moran second, Rocket one third, kind of the usual suspects. 17th to fourth for Tyler Bruning. Hell of a run for Bruning there. And uh, Jimmy Owens with a top five finish. Now, Couple guys on night number one that, in my eye, um, were pretty quick. One of them was Garrett Albertson. He might have won that race. He was pretty quick up top, and he fenced it. Boy, he needs a win, right? I mean, he's close. He he was pretty sporty. And how about Joseph Joyner? He looked really good. How much of that do you think, though? Do you think Joyner went softer on tires, and that's why he was quick early and then faded? Your thoughts? Um, I thought that they said that all the drivers were on the same tire except for one. One, one had a three. The other ones had twos. Was he was he part of that mix they were talking about? I think so. Okay, yeah, it, he just faded. I mean, he was super fast, and then he just fell apart. Um, Cross night number one. Anything stick out to you? Bruning stuck out to me the most, but anything else stick out to you guys? No, Bruning was really good on the bottom. He was picking every, he was really rolling on the bottom. Well, you know, on that tire thing, Bert, you know, I don't, you know, maybe Joiner, the RTJ, I don't know if, I don't know if he's sandbagging with these guys or he's saving his equipment. Um, but even the next thing when he was, you know, I can't remember who was catching him. Was it Miranda that was catching him? And then all of a sudden it was like, it, it was a straightaway within two laps. So I'm like, is he saving his equipment or what's going on here? Is it tire combinations or what? But, um, you know, Maybe Joyner was. I know they had to have left front, right front had to be twos, and then they had the two, three option on the right rear. Um, so I don't know, you know, what those guys are putting on the right rear, if they're fading or what was going on there. But it's just, it's weird that t- it just, I don't know if these long races, if guys are just better at saving their stuff, um, you know, and some of these guys are like, hey, I'm running up front with these guys. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And all of a sudden, boom, 10 laps left, you wear your stuff off. So it's interesting to see. Um, the comers and the goers and who saves their stuff and who's really good at uh, saving their tires and being fast the last five laps. Yeah. And we'll go ahead, Bert. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, this was night one and night two. I mean, last, last week we had spent a lot of time discussing uh, uh, 
rivalry between RTJ and Superman. Uh, right now, I don't think there's a rivalry because Superman's not fast enough to, for there to be a rivalry. I think he got lapped both nights um, at uh, at Alltech. So uh, Superman's got some uh, he's got some work to do to to keep up to these guys. You know who else has some work to do is Brandon Shepard, right? I mean, you know, over the last four races, his best finish was an eighth. You know, he ran good at Volusia. He was pretty quick at Volusia. And East Bay is kind of a place where you can't ever count out Brandon Shepard. But, boy, I tell you what, he just, like you said, he's not qualifying well. He's starting deep. He's getting buried. He's not moving through. He did, I think, maybe uh, pass a bunch of cars there on night number two. But he ain't been up to snuff. Night number two, T-Mac, I mean, he's when he gets out front, he's a conserve mode guy. Dalton Wilson, he got second. Guys, he's not, I mean, he was in the conversation many times last year. I mean, are you really in the conversation with RTJ Pearson Huddy? Maybe not, but he was that next level, right? He was, he's right there. Do you think he can maybe sneak out a win before the end of Speed Weeks? Um, I, I, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, he, I, he's shown enough to me where, you know, if everything falls into place, he can, um, get a win. I mean, like we've stated, the key is qualifying well. So you start up front in your heat race and do well in your heat race and you start up front in the future. Seems to be qualifying pretty well. Uh, the Reaper, Ryan Gustin, 15th, the third Bruning back-to-back fourth-place finishes, so he's showing some speed. Clay Harris with a fifth, didn't even know he was in the top five when they interviewed him. RTJ, guys, on night number two was over a second a lap faster than uh, T-Mac the final two laps before he drove into the fence. He won two of four. He is clearly the faster car. Do you think RTJ wins that race if he doesn't uh, step on his wiener there? I I thought he had something going south before that because he was catching those guys. He started, he was up on the high side over in one and two floundering around up there and his car was breaking loose coming out of the corner. I think he had something going on suspension wise or something there. He just, he, he was coming and he was coming fast. I'm like, oh boy, he's going to blow right by these guys again. And then all of a sudden he, he faded. So I don't know what happened, but um, he was definitely going to be in the mix, but I think something happened earlier, earlier when he started catching those guys, because um, his car just wasn't the same after that. So number one story of the week. Brought to you by our friends at Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating in Ashland, Wisconsin. Home of the Galloper Chassis and proud sponsor of the number one series in all of Wissota Racing, the Northland Superstock Series. They do custom fabricating, powder coating. They sell parts. They sell tires, safety equipment. They can fix anything. And you're not going to meet a better guy than Chris Redding and the crew over at Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating. That's in Ashland, Wisconsin. So, Guys, was there a better way, right? I mean, it's the final year of East Bay, okay? And this was the final modified Speed Weeks. Now, Kroos, I know you watched the feature. Bert, did you watch the modified A-Main? On Saturday night, I did. Okay. What a race. I mean, it started out the beginning of the week at East Bay was not real good. And then it just progressively got better and better. And I'm telling you what, that was one for the ages right there. And uh, what a way to end kind of a great run for modified speed weeks down there. Um, who wants to give a little recap? What happened there? Go ahead, Bert. You got a local guy you can talk about a little bit. Uh, just a, just Saturday night or just yeah, general we'll just, thoughts? We'll, well, just talk, I mean, well, whatever. 
Saturday night, uh, I mean, Strickler led the majority of the race, but uh, uh, Cole Sarneski, who is from Eastern Wisconsin, eighteen year old, eighteen years old, and um, uh, I actually interviewed him two years ago, and he was on the cover of Full Throttle magazine two years ago. He got his start in sport mods and IMCA stock cars, and uh, now he's up into the regular mods and. Um, they also have a late model also, so they got a lot of cars. Um, <laughs> I, at least they had a late model last year. I don't know if they still have it. Uh, he raced that one time last year at 141 Speedway with the Dirt King. But anyway, uh, he, he's down. He he was racing in uh, Arizona for a lot of those shows in Arizona uh, several weeks ago. And now he's you know down in Florida racing and first time racing with the ump late models and uh he is definitely uh making northeast wisconsin proud i mean he top he, i think he had he had one win plus two other podium finishes maybe three other podium finishes throughout the week so uh definitely uh um great representation by him yeah, Sarneski had a DNF night one, and then he had a first, a third, a second, a fifth, and then a third in the in the in the championship night there. So I mean, that's and he battled. I mean, him and Strickler swapped the lead, and he yeah. led a bunch of laps through the middle of that race. Sharp looking car, very smooth. That kid is. I tell you what, he's going to win some races. And then after he kind of faded just a little bit, not bad. He fell back to third, and here comes Lucas Lee. And I tell you what, it had to have been 10, 12 laps at the end where Lucas Lee on the bottom, Strickler carving the high side, and really didn't know who was going to win, but Lee was just a little too smooth on the bottom, and he capitalized. What a great race. Any any thoughts there on East Bay, Cross? Oh, just a really good feature when it uh, feature finished there with Strickler and Lee, and it, it basically came down to, like you said, Ryan, who was going to run the smoothest at the end? Because um, actually, Lucas Lee bobbled. He hit that little hole and got tight in three and four and, and slid up. And then Strickler was getting that run over on the high side. But Strickler was getting that run coming out of two. Lucas Lee was pretty smooth down there. So whoever could put together basically a back-to-back smooth lap was going to win that race. So it's really good to see. Great race. Um, I was hoping Strickler was going to rip the side off his car again like he did the previous five <laughs> of the six nights, Bert, since you pick him all the time. I see you picked him again to win on Saturday, so yeah, we're going to be cheering <laughs> against him. So uh, just um, good to see, you know, two good guys going at it. I'd like to see the rest of the field. I know, uh, you know, Ryan Gerke, a uh, local guy from here, you know, got locked in in the top six, started fifth, and I don't know what I, – I didn't see it. I just saw kind of the results and the end of it. Um, I know he was he, kind of, he got into a guy. Gotcha. I didn't see any of that. I just saw him in the, he kind of, he was back in like 17th or 18th when I had picked up the race. So, uh, but good to see him running down there with those guys and getting locked in those top six. Um, you know, just consistent, you know what I mean? He consistently, I was talking to you, Ryan, that he consistently got fast, you know, the first few nights he was coming from deep and then all of a sudden you start starting up there and then you're going to finish higher. So Good to see Ryan, you know, local guy, Wasota guy, likes to travel. Um, good to see him do well and and have a, you know overall have a good showing down there. Yeah, he made every show, he made every feature. Bert and my earlier in the week, you had sent me a, a text asking if uh, Zarneski had a uh, UMP motor in his car. I did send him a message, and yes, he does have a UMP motor in the car. 
<laughs> yeah, he had a heater underneath there. A coach actually <laughs> messaged him too. And uh, Joe Thomas, he he actually sold Gerke's best finish was a fifth, but he made every feature. Night number one, Joe Thomas. I'm like, this kid's here to like he's gonna be good. Ninth to second night number one, fifteenth to seven night two, and then it just went off the rails. I'm not sure if he had issues, something broke. He ended up not making the feature three out of the last four nights. But uh, good to see him down there. Great learning experience. I mean, that's a that's a whole different animal racing with a little different tire, different motor, and uh, a different racetrack. So good to see them guys representing. In good fun, I got to give a donkey award. I got to give one. Kevin Buzzy Adams, you're getting a donkey. All right. Buzzy is like the, if you, if you think a Wissota racer that goes to East Bay every single year, it's Buzzy, right? And it's the final year of the Winter Nationals for the mods or for anything, right? At East Bay, and there's no Buzzy. And I'm like, what the hell? Right. I talked to Blake. He's like, I tried talking him into it. He didn't want to go too much to do. I'm like, you got to be down there. Right. I mean, even if his car's not ready, Buzzy could have reached out to anybody and they would have been like, hell yeah, drive my car. You, you know, we're good. Um, disappointed. Right. Cause I mean, he, he's so fun to watch down there and, and, uh, ending the, the run of races at East Bay without Buzzy in the house was kind of a disappointment for me. So Buzzy, I love you, man, but I got to give you a donkey for that. So. Let's jump into our 2024 weekly pickums. Uh, this segment, Carl's brought to you by Elevate-Visual.com uh, video production. Make sure if you need any uh, video production, drone work done, uh, if you're a real estate agent, um, you need anything over here in the uh, Minnesota area. He's actually traveling too. He's doing some stuff up in Fargo, anywhere um, in the area over here. Need any video production done? Make sure you get a hold of Brandon at Elevate-Visual.com. And he also has a Facebook page. Check them out. Thanks, Brandon. So movers and shakers this past week, our reigning champ, Curtis, plus 11. He had a big week. Um, Dan and Changa, plus 10, nipping at their heels. Coach Krause, you had plus eight. You had a good week. Uh, myself, plus six. And then we had Kent, new Dan, and Brad, plus five. Good Jeff, plus three. And Bert, plus two. <laughs> The only thing that saved you was Mike. Um, uh, Mike, Mike, I love you, man, but why would you pick JD at Speed Weeks? Even the year that he won $2 million, right? He sucked at Speed Weeks, right? So I don't know what it is, but he's just not good at Speed Weeks. Um, but Mike had the goose egg, the golden goose egg for uh, big old Mike. Current standings are reigning chat back on top. Curtis at 51. Brad and Chandra at 46, 71A here at 38, one spot ahead of the 29 star at 37. We got Bert at 35, Dan at 33, Kent at 32, Good Jeff at 28, New Dan, Kalina, put down the cocktails, put down the adult beverages, and come on, get it together here, guy. 24, and Mike, you're at 11. So Mike's got a little work to do here. So we'll see if he can come around. And a look ahead to this week's events. We got three big weeks or, or three big uh three big events going on this weekend. But we're gonna we're gonna talk first about Daytona One performance lubricants, right? So this is one of their many products, right? This is XL1 engine treatment. They call it horsepower in a bottle because on the dyno improves torque and horsepower, proven, right? Also, reduced friction, reduced engine noise, helps with cold weather startups. 
um, fuel mileage in your daily vehicles. You know, one of their many great products, Buck, the founder of Daytona One Performance Lubricant in the Hall of Fame for NASA, lots of different stuff out there. They have stuff for engine builders. They have tire treatments. Their goal is the anytime that you can reduce friction and, and make stuff last longer, it brings the amount of money that you have to spend on racing down. And that's what their goal is here. So check them out, Daytona One Performance Lubricants, and call Chad. 507-828-3536, and he can get you all the information you need. So, guys, the three big ones that we're picking, we'll, we'll save the best for last, but we'll go over to Volusia first, right? It's Gator Week, right? They start tonight. Not sure what's going on. Split features. They got the Gator Championship on Saturday. So, UMP Modifieds down there. The high side tickler, Kyle Strickler, Krause's guy, won it in 2023. I believe 113 cars entered down there. Big field of cars. Guys, they paid pretty good on Saturday. I think it's seven grand to win. But I think most of the week's like 700 to win, right? $700 to win for UMP Mods to get 113 cars. I'll never understand how they get so many cars for so little pay. Just makes no sense. but that's going on at Volusia, and at also at Volusia, joining the party on Wednesday, the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars racing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Kind of a question is, how many high-limit cars are going to be in the house? Are we expecting to see Kyle Larson? Are we expecting to see Brad Sweet? I, I've been looking online, haven't seen anything. Do you guys think that uh, some of them high-limit guys are going to show up? I know Rico is going to be there. Do you think uh, do you think most of their followers are going to be there, or do you think they're going to skip it? What do you guys think? Um, I think there'll probably be some there, but I don't think the majority of the drivers will be there. Coach? Yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see who's going to be there. Because um, <clears throat> I think if there's some of those guys not there, the high-limit guys, I don't think they're going to race any of those races, uh, the World Outlaw stuff. So it's going to be real interesting to see who who shows up. Absolutely. So both of those, right? I mean, all week long at Volusia, that's going to be on Dirt Vision. And then on Flow Racing, Lucas Oil, the final Winter Nationals, what is it, the 47th annual, um, I think, Risco Aluminum Winter Nationals down there at East Bay. Um, tonight, rained out. They're going to kind of, kind of unique how they're going to do it. So we're doing this show. It's Monday. Instead of racing tonight, they're going to run time trials. They're going to get Tuesday's show in and then do time trials for Monday's show. Wednesday, they're going to get the whole show in, then do the heats and B mains for Monday's show. And Thursday, they're going to get the whole show in and then do the A main. Guys, your thoughts on them uh, adding that in and getting that Monday show in the way that they're doing it? Any thoughts on that? Um, I don't mind the way they're doing it. Uh, you know, at, to me, since this is the last year for East Bay, I mean, you want to get as many shows in down there as you possibly can. And I think this way is probably a better way than running like two complete shows, one one show during the afternoon and the other show at night. Um, I think this is a better way to do it. And fans, you know, they plan their vacations to go down there. So they're down there for the whole week. A lot of them are down there for the whole week anyway. So, you know, I, I think I think it's a good deal the way they're doing it. Coach, anything to add? No, just um, be interesting to see how many backup cars are going to be pulled out. Um, because double headers, you just never know what happens with double headers. You just don't. You know what I mean? But like like Bert said, it's great for the fans. It's great for everybody to uh, 
uh, get all the racing in it as possible. And it's going to help me. And I don't have to change my bold prediction now. So uh, that's kind of cool, but uh, <laughs> a lot of racing and hopefully they don't tear up some stuff, but you just, like I said, you, you just never know. You know, and, and this is, I mean, when I think speed weeks, I think East Bay. Well, when I, what do you guys think? When, when I when you think late model speed weeks in Florida, I mean, what comes to mind? What's the future going to look like? Any, any, reckless speculation on on how speed weeks is going to look in 2025 any guesses i don't know but i mean i agree with you when i think of speed weeks in florida it's east bay that is the first track that that comes to mind for me so i can't even venture to guess how they're going to structure it next year if um I mean, they say this is the last year for East Bay, and you got to believe it. But I mean, unless there's a miracle like Ryan was hoping for last week, so we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. I, um, it's going to be interesting. They said they should have things kind of ironed out. Um, I can see them maybe not racing during the week. I can see them doing like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Golden Isles. Then, then Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Ocala. Maybe add Screven in. Are they gonna? Is there gonna be new tracks in? It's gonna be interesting to see. It's gonna be. Um, it's a bummer, right? That 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 place is disappearing. I mean, is it always the best racing? No, but is any track? And they've had some. There's a lot of history at that place. Um, but it's gonna be a, a pretty cool event this weekend. So, Kraus, anything to add there on uh, the upcoming events? No, they're uh, just that they got plenty of options down there. They're gonna come up with something. Um, you know, it's, and it's, and it's always been East Bay Volusia. It's just the way it always has been. The mods are here and it's kind of a good rotation. You got a little bit of everything down there, um, but they have plenty of options. And um, I would assume everybody's down there anyway. So let's just keep them down there. They'll find some, they'll find some dates and they'll figure it out. Maybe a two, maybe that's what they're thinking. You know, they had the two, then the day off and then the two with Ocala or, you know, wherever they're at, maybe they're going to continue that, take a day off and add some more tracks. Maybe who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So stay tuned. I'm sure they'll have an announcement before uh, before too long. So let's jump into a blast to the past uh, with Soda of the 2000s, right? So in the 2000s, championship sprints faded off, right? Halfway through the decade, um, a new class was introduced to Wissota Racing, the Wissota Midwest Modified. But before we talk about that, a shout out to the folks at Dirt Track Supply in Watertown, South Dakota. Ron and Trevor Anderson, great ambassadors to the sport, both had a lot of success on the racetrack. Their cars, the Aero Chassis, they've had a lot of success. They sell parts. They service a lot of different racetracks and just all-around great people. So check them out, Dirt Track Supply, over in Watertown, South Dakota. So, guys, you know, we'll, we'll touch a little bit on, on the champions. We're not going to touch on all the classes this week. We'll just focus on these two. We'll touch on the sprints and the B-mods. We'll just kind of split it up so we don't have a hour long just on this right but the sprint cars in 2000 remember this name right here remember the driver name the driver there coach cross b first or b1 i think it was b first tony norum tony norum yep he was your champion in 2000 in the sprint cars i remember him coming up to hibbing in a modified back in the 90s um in 01 jimmy kuba in 02 and 03, Lauren Langrud got the championship. Dustin Lindquist in 04. And then in 2005, this driver has four overall with Soda National titles. He won the very first 
Championship, Sprint Car Championship, and is also known for winning the last Wissota Championship Sprint Car title. Can you name the driver? Can you tip us off? You got a number for us? Oh, one of the Swensons. X. Yep, Chuck Swenson. So he won the first and the last, include and had one other championship and won one in the late model as well. You know, a guy that uh, still turning laps. He had a vicious rollover here a couple of years ago at the 100. Um, I told him you're a little too old to be rolling over like that. And his kid Blake, a pretty good wheel as well. Midwest Modified Division, they got underway in 2001. Interesting rule, guys. Uh, when that class was first introduced, the rule for the Midwest Mod is they were not supposed to pay ever over $200. I think it was $200 or $250 max pay to the winner. Their mindset was modifieds were going to filter down. They're going to run used cars. Well, lo and behold, now you got tracks paying five grand, ten grand, whatever, and uh, the cost of these things has gone through the roof. So initially it was good. Guys, I don't do this often, right? But when the Midwest mods were introduced, Hibbing was one of the last tracks in the area to have it. And this was a this was an area where Bill Engelstad and I definitely agreed. Like we had conversations about this. Yes, me and Billy had conversations, civil conversations, and we agreed that it was a horrible idea at the time to bring another class to Wissota because all it did was take away from the mods, take away from the supers. Now it's turned into a good class. I mean, there's a lot of great drivers. It's the biggest class in Wissota, but man, it it just it didn't really add any drivers. It just took the pie and cut it into another piece is all it did. And and that's an area where me and Billy definitely agreed. So your first ever national champion was a driver that raced down at Deer Creek, down a couple other tracks down south, Jim Arnold, Coach Krauss. Your second was sort of Midwest Mod Nash champion. This gentleman, uh, I knew was best for running in the Superstock division, also ran in a modified and uh, um, lost his life either last year or the year before, way too young. Um, you might have raced against this guy. Do you remember the name? No, I don't. I'm thinking. Number I seven, seven E. Oh, uh, Neil Eckert. Neil Eckert. Neil Eckert, yep. So he was the second one. And then Dick Peterson, I believe he was number 54. He used to come up to Proctor. He won it in 03. And then the old cowboy in 2004, okay? Now, in 2004, this father-son duo became the first ever father-son combination that has won Wissota National titles in the history of Wissota racing. Who won the Midwest Mod title, Coach Krause, in 2004? Oh boy, I don't know. Two thousand four wasn't was it Dick Peterson? No, no, that was two thousand three. Father son, when when he won it, he became became the first father son duo to win a national title. And when we were talking about Arizona, you said, "Man, this guy here's one of the best Minnesota Midwest mod drivers ever." So so Travis Sauer, Travis Sauer, yep. Ron Sauer won the mod four title in 03. And then Travis Sauer won the Midwest Mod in 04, and they became the first father-son combination to win national titles. Kind of cool. And then in 05, 06, and 08, the old uh, Iron Man himself, Shane Sabraski, he got it done. 
in 07, Brockstar, and then in 09, this this duo right here, Dad won in 1997 and 98, won the modified national title. This driver won the Midwest Mod title in 09 and went on to win a couple with sort of at least one, I think two, with sort of late model national titles as well. Kraus or Bert, you might have this guy. Dustin Strand. Yep, so second driver, him and his dad, Brian Strand, second duo to win father-son. So, stories from the 2000s. So when you guys think the decade of the 2000s, when it comes to Wissota racing, to me, there's two huge, huge stories that stick out. Either one of you have anything that comes to mind from the 2000s and Wissota racing? Well, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is Cedar Lake leaving Wissota. Um, and then the whole, uh, uh, what was it, DTRA and Goodyear tires and all of that that took place. What was that, 2004, 2005, somewhere in there? Oh, five, oh, oh, six, oh, seven. It was oh, six, okay. oh, seven. Yep. Yep. And, and boy, I tell you what, that got interesting. So, you know, for those, for those of you that maybe weren't around then, right? Cedar Lake was, at least in that area, the mecca of Wissota racing, right? I mean, when, when I personally thought like Wissota late model guys, Cedar Lake was like the who's who. I mean, it was unbelievable, the talent. And, I mean, it didn't matter if it was that or mods or supers. I mean, they had some hitters. And when you won, guys, when you won back in the 2000s, 90s and 2000s, when you won at Cedar Lake, you felt like you just won the Daytona 500 even on a regular night. Okay? I mean, that was the place to be. Now, in what would have been oh five the the late model guys right decided hey you know let's do something different and they wanted to just switch over and they had a a sponsorship deal come from goodyear that if they run goodyears they were going to have a big sponsorship for the late models and with soda the, the the people running with soda at the time and the people running at cedar lake started button heads and at the time, the president of Wissota said, "Over my dead body, if you're gonna sanction, if you're gonna drop sanctioning from late models, you're dropping sanctioning from everything, and we're taking the Wissota 100 away from you." Cedar Lake said, "Well, I tell you what, you need us more than we need you." And for a couple of years, it was a little sketchy at Cedar, but uh, it got strong again, and uh, they decided to go their own way. And they brought a few tracks with them. Superior, Monster Hall, Grand Forks, right? Casson. Um, so there was a few tracks that came with them, and they formed the DTRA, Dirt Track Racing Association. And they had a they had a different points format, kind of a chase-type deal. And it was all Goodyear tires. And, boy, that upset the apple cart, right? Because then there was sort of 100 moved around, and that was that's never been the same. The Wissota 100 has never been the same as it's been at Cedar. No disrespect to Huron, I-94, whatever. It's just, it just is what it is. Also a different era. But the we talk about Wissota, right, submitting bids, getting bids from American Racer. This right here, right, this, this right here was a huge change for the promoters because there was a lot of tracks that were looking at, hey, this is working. We're going to jump ship. We're going to go Goodyear. And Hoosier met with the board and, and so on, and they come up with a deal that they gave every track at that time 
$1,500 per class that is sanctioned with soda on Hoosier tires up to a max of four. So you got six grand. So Hoosier was started giving money back to the racetracks to get them to stay. That is still here today. That never would have been a thing, right? If not for the DTRA. And, you know, it was, uh, but that was a huge era. Bert, you're spot on. I mean, that was, that was a time where, and that's really been the whole demise of Wissota in the state of Wisconsin. There's only a couple tracks left over there. And uh, boy, Wissota was so strong over there for so many years and with Cedar Lake leaving. Now they got super stocks back, right? They're having a challenge series show. They've had a street stock special. So there's hope that at least maybe a couple classes can come back. But but uh, any other thoughts there from the 2000s, either Coach Cross or Burt? Well, the 2000s was when uh, Eastern Wisconsin left Wasota. Also, <laughs> is that was that early 2000s when they left? Uh, no, I, I think it might have been like 2007, 2008, maybe when when they when Shauna left. Yeah, I and think then, you're right because I remember being in a late model in 02 and 03, and all the Shano guys would come to the 100. Um, you know, there yeah. was a whole bunch of them. And then after that, yeah. So boy, things changed in the entire state of Wisconsin. The landscape of Wissota racing over there kind of just vanished in the two thousands and it's never really kind of, it's never came back. So kind of a bad deal. Kraus, when did Alexandria officially become a Wissota sanctioned racetrack? 2004 was the first year, um, when we finally switched over, I think Madison might've been the actual same time too. I went from NASCAR over to Wissota. Um, so, and I didn't really, I, I didn't really start traveling until 2009, 10 and 11, 12, I started hitting hard. But one thing with me was watching was like, you know, yourself and, and Dave Moss and how many guys put in 80, 90, 70, 80, 90 shows a summer. Um, there was a lot of drivers, um, that did that. Um, I remember the, you know, 2011, I finished seventh in national points. I had 15 wins and, um, I think like 43 shows. And I got seventh. Uh, I think 15 wins today would uh, I would have been in the top couple, other than the, you know the 7A and the 78. But uh, it's just crazy. I just remember seeing hey who open all the dirt back in the day because um, a lot of times there wasn't stuff online yet, and you had to open all the dirt. And oh, Ryan Hale's got 94 shows, or Moss has got 89 <laughs> shows. So that was kind of one thing that I saw when I was young back then, just seeing you know watching all these guys get all these shows in and racing four or five nights a week and watching you traveling across the country or wherever it was. It's kind of, kind of my memories of that era. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more when we get to the supers, but you could afford it then. Right. I mean, I could literally leave Chisholm drive to Wilmer. If I won the feature, I'd break even because it's a four and a half, five hour drive. Now, if I were to leave Chisholm drive to Wilmer and then back to say superior on a Friday, I could win the feature. And it would literally cost me, like, I figured out, oh, like, $250, $300. And that's if I won and didn't hurt nothing, right? So the, the times have just changed, right? I mean, with the cost of everything, and and uh, it's not just tires or racing. It's everything, right? Fuel costs, grocery costs. I mean, everything has gone through the roof. And uh, people just can't afford, most people just cannot afford to travel like they used to. But, uh, man, there was a lot of racing. We'll talk more about that when we get to Supers. So. The last lap, XR guys making some more news, right? And I got a fan question in here. So they announced that they're going to have a 50 grand to win for 602 late models. 
And remember back in November, December, they kind of put their schedule out for the XR Super Series. Initially, it was, hey, we're going to, we're, we're watering this down. It's going to be six shows. Well, now it's 16 shows, right? Remember two years ago, right? They decided, hey, we're just going to run whenever the heck we want. It don't matter who we're running against. This is our deal. We're going to run. Last year, he made the announcement, hey, we're not going to run against Lucas and Wu. We're going to run in conjunction. We realize that don't work. Well, now they expand to 16 shows. They're running against Wu. They're running against Lucas. It's like, I don't know what he's got going on. It's his deal, right? But the question came, you look at some of these 100 grand to win shows. This came from Joe. And Joe said this. He goes, you know, you look at these 100 grand to win shows for modifieds, for 604 lates, right, for stock cars. The biggest paying show this year for the XR that I've seen, right, that I've heard about is 30 grand to win. Now, are the late model guys going to be a little offended by that, that they're racing for only 30 grand to win compared to 100? And then if you look from a fan's perspective, the cost getting in has been, and I get it, you got to cover the expenses, I get it. But now it caught, they're charging more to get in at some of these races than they, than they did last year for a hundred grand to win races. Your thoughts on this whole XR deal? Um, I'm actually not sure what to think about this. I mean, they're constantly changing. Like you said, you know, I don't know, you know, he's free to do what he wants, but I, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand the rhyme or reason as to, uh, uh, you know, we're only going to have six shows. Now we're going to have 16 shows. And I, I know when he started XR, you know, he had posted something on Facebook to the effect of, you know, uh, you know, that, you know, other series weren't paying money and now he's paying money. And, uh, you know, which, which ultimately caused the other series to ante up a little bit too. Uh, so it is curious that his late model purses have gone, well, I shouldn't say purses, uh, to win. I don't know what the total purse is. Yeah, I mean, he's unapolog unapologetically himself, right? He's kind of got that, you know, that FU money, right? I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Don't care. It is what it is, right? I'm not going to ask for permission, forgiveness. I'm just going to do whatever I do. Um, for example, their opener, right, at Ultimate Speedway in North Carolina, literally just a few weeks away running head-to-head -head with a Lucas Oil doubleheader at Golden Isles. Ogilvy, everybody's excited. XR Super Series coming to Ogilvy for a doubleheader. Well, guess what? They're running against World of Outlaw late models have a Pennsylvania swing that weekend. There's there's super late model guys, right, in Minnesota, Dustin Sorensen and Brent Larson, that they have some fans. They, they have an opportunity to race right at home, and they're going to schedule that event against a Pennsylvania. Kind of weird, right? Um, your thoughts on them scheduling against those events? Um, and there are 16 shows, the top 10 counts for points, only 30 grand to win. Can we expect to see the same kind of car counts we saw last year? I mean, what's your thoughts on this? Gross. No, you're not going to, but you also have to remember last year what he did with his purse. Uh, do you remember the drivers were complaining about he had the 100 and the 50 and 10 for second place? You know, he cut a lot of those down. He was paying down more. So I don't know if he's doing that. Is, is it going – I've been looking right now. Is, is it going 30, 20, 15? You know what I mean? I don't know. Is he paying much more? Um, you know, no, it's, it's not. 
if you run it against that other it's series, listed. all you're doing is screwing the fans over there. So it's like you said, especially with people over here and then all of a sudden you're going to look at it and I got to pay this much. And I don't even know who's going to be coming uh, where last year, you know, those guys were coming, they were committed to the series and he was running off dates, you know, kind of like the flow racing was. So, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, you know, 12, most of the shows are 12,000 to win and there's a few 30,000 sprinkled in there and who knows, I, I don't see a, a points payout either. Uh, he had a pretty decent points payout last year too. So um, he's only been in the series game for one year at this super series. I think he can, he's going to fine tune um, just to make sure he's not losing a bunch of money, which who knows he could have done that at some of these shows. Um, he's, he's obviously a fairly smart guy. I don't think he's going to continue to lose thousands and thousands of dollars. So, um, but it's, you know, who knows it's tough. It, it's sad to see him competing against, you know, Lucas and World Outlaw. Yeah, I thought two series, World of Outlaw and Lucas, I thought that was too many because personally as a fan, I love when they're all together. When I have all the good cars together, that that is, at the, for the fan experience, that's the best. But guess what? He doesn't need our permission to do anything. He's going to do what he does. There ain't nobody else, I guess, really stepping up and kind of putting it out there. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I'll give him that. But interesting. It's interesting to say the least. Uh, um, another thing, Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum. Um, Bradsville, NASCAR guy. Um, <laughs> what a debacle, right? First thing they announced, it was going to be Heat Saturday, Feature Sunday. I was off a day last week. Um, but they decide initially that Saturday night is going to be fanless. We're not going to have fans in there on Saturday. And everybody went nuts. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, then... They're like, okay, well, we're going to let fans in for free on Saturday. And then you had some weirdos like, what do you mean you're going to let us in for free? Like, they're mad about that, which made no sense. Well, then the weather looked like it was going to come in. So they moved the whole thing to Saturday. Guys, I tell you what, I mean, it was empty. There was nobody there. I mean, they, they could not have made money at that deal. Could they have? I mean, I mean, maybe with the marketing money TV, I, I, I don't know. But if they had to go off just fan attendance, that looked abysmal. Thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously, if they made money, it was only it was strictly because of the TV. Because yeah, like you said, I mean, there weren't a lot of fans there, and I mean, a lot of that is due because they moved the event from Sunday to Saturday. So I mean, you know, you know, people are, you know, everything changed when that happened. Um, I did hear that. Um, ca- portions of california did get four inches of rain uh so it was probably a wise decision that they that they did that but um but even the fans that were there there was like limited concessions and and stuff i mean it it was just uh it almost seemed like you know them going wanting to go fanless on saturday for the heats originally it just kind of makes you think that they're trying to save like on labor costs for concessions and stuff like that. But I mean, it's just like you're spending all this money to pave the Coliseum. You know, you would think hiring some workers to work concessions would just be a drop, you know, a drop in the bucket. Is that deal done? Is it is it coming back there? Is it done? Is it going to go somewhere else? You know, I'm not sure, but them that. Was this the third year that was there? At least a third. I, third, so. I mean, those first yeah, couple yeah. years, those first couple years, the place was darn near packed, and that place can hold the people. Um, and it was a big event. So I don't know, maybe NASCAR looked and said we didn't have a bunch of pre-sold tickets or something, and they, hey, let's move this up to one day because they ran the um 
the Mexico race ran on Sunday. Um, I don't know if you guys watched any of that. Suarez was, that was actually a decent race. Um, and it was all um, drivers from down in that area racing. So I don't, you know, I don't know. It, it's a tough deal. They used to make it a big hoopla. I mean, all the, you had all the stars there. You had movie stars there. You had everything there. So, um, you know, I don't know. You know, maybe it was a reason why Joey Logano went after Ty Gibbs and to get a little something excitement going in the in the mix anyway. But uh, I didn't see much of it. I watched a little bit of a race, but everything I've heard and seen, it, it didn't it didn't go real well. No, yes. and, and Hamlin won. They went to overtime. Hamlin won, and then Bert, you know, did you catch what Hamlin said in Vic, in his victory lane deal or in his uh, post race speech? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, I just got done beating your favorite driver. <laughs> he's, he's not afraid to throw some shots out there. Um, he, and they're talking about Kyle Larson, right? He's talking about Kyle Larson. Of course, Hamlin still owns a car Bubba drives for, right? Yeah. Yeah, Larson's not happy with Bubba. I didn't see what happened, but. He, he dumped, well, Larson dumped him. So in the closing laps, um, Bubba Wallace got in the back of him like three laps in a row. Just bam, bam. And his bumper cars, his tight quarters. And then finally, he, he shoved him up the track, and then and then Kyle Larson just flat out dumped him, spun him right around. He's like, well, I guess uh, I'm over it, he said. <laughs> I don't know if he's over it, but I'm over it. But, yeah, I, I mean, any guesses? Do you, A, that race, of course, used to be, what, the Bud Shootout, the Clash. I mean, it used to be at Daytona. Now, now it's gone to California, the Coliseum. Now, any guesses? If, any guesses on where it might go next? Have you heard anything where, where it could go? I haven't heard anything, and I think part of the problem is, I mean, we'll all admit the Daytona 500 is like NASCAR Super Bowl. I mean, that is the race of the year. That's the race any driver wants to win. And so, you know, teams are really focusing on the Daytona 500, but yet you have this race on the other side of the country that you have to travel to, and, you know, that might be another reason why, you know, with the weather, it's like, well, we can't postpone it to win to we can't postpone it to Monday or Tuesday because the teams have to get back to the East Coast, you know, down to Florida for the biggest race of the year. So I, I think the logistics, the being so so far away from Daytona also plays a factor into that. If, if they could have a track closer to to florida i think that would be better i mean i understand why they go to california because it's you know la is the second largest uh, market in the united states so they're trying to gain new fans and you got to give them credit for that but it, it just creates other logistical problems with the uh, 500 only two weeks later yeah and they don't have the duels anymore do they that's that deal's gone too isn't yeah it? no they they still have them they do still have the duels, okay? They don't yeah. mean nothing because everybody's locked in because of points oh, or right. whatever. Right, But right. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's a totally different deal. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Let's jump into our final segment here, boys. Three bold predictions. Had a few come off the board for each of us here this week. Um, so accountability session first. Bert, you said the high side tickler, Kyle Strickler, would win <laughs> at least three at East Bay. I uh, know. Uh, that did not happen. You should you have said, said you should have said what I told you to, Bert, that he'd DNF for three, and then you would, <laughs> you would actually won. <clears throat> that would have got her done. Yes, 
You said uh, Superman, Jonathan Davenport, would have a better average finish than RTJ this week. Were you drunk last week? <laughs> curious. Not, okay. So I was, I, was trying, I was trying to go go bold to make Jeff happy. I was going to see. I didn't see any shot glasses there or nothing. And then you said Cole Sarneski would make the A-Main. Not only did he make the A-Main, he was hell of impressive, um, finished third on that final night. So you got that one correct. Coach Kraus. You said that JD and RTJ would have another bump up, and RTJ would, uh, one of them would end up resulting in a DNF. That did not happen. There was opportunities, right, where RTJ, they were, they were together, and neither one of them took a swipe at each other. You said three different chassis would finish in the top three on the final night at East Bay. That did not happen. There was, um, I think there was two long, two elites. There's two elites, is what there two was. In the Longhorn, yeah. RTJ. Yep. And you said RTJ would win three of four. That's kind of a tough one. You were close. You got two. Maybe would have had three if he didn't hit the wall, but uh, that was incorrect as well. So good, Jeff said. Kind of a similar one to you, JD, would get even with RTJ and one of them with DNF. Also, no. He said Rocket One would sweep at all tech. They got one, but not two. And he said two of the mod knights at East Bay would rain out. That did not happen either. So no, no, and no for good, Jeff. So the peanut gal, the, this might be the bad beat. I'll let you guys decide how we're going to score this. I kind of know how I think we should. But Kenny had one. He said two local with soda drivers would finish in the top 20 in the final night, amen, at East Bay. Ryan Gerke finished 17th. Michael Leach is an IMCA mod guy. I don't know that that counts. Um, he's a Wissota late model guy, a Wissota Midwest mod guy. He does not run Wissota mods. Joe Thomas was there. He did not make the show. Do we count Michael Leach as a Wissota guy? I'm going to say that, in my opinion, he's an IMCA mod guy. If he races IMCA mods, he's an IMCA mod guy. That's a bad beat because he's a he's a Wissota guy and an IMCA guy. But when it comes to modifieds, he's an IMCA guy. Kenny, I don't cross any thoughts on that. Uh, you know, I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, you, you know what I mean? I don't know how many shows is he having up in Wissota total in a late model or middle model in anything. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, few, he's ran about three years for sure in a Midwest mod, and I think last year and the end of the year before, I think he brought that late model out. Then last yeah. last year, hmm. he ran the late model, and he has been down in Florida, but he runs primarily IMCA mods. So if if he was full time with soda, that he was only in a soda car, I'd say yes. But you know, like you said, since he's done some other stuff before. Plus, I got to give Kenny a hard time for it, too. So give me some fuel to give Kenny a hard time. There you go. There you go. Sorry, Kenny. And then now the 71A here. I had uh, three different chassis in the top five in the mod feature, and that was the case. And this was a parlay, though. I had Lucas Lee and Kyle Strickler both on the podium, and that's not a gimme because Kyle Strickler doesn't like to finish races. So I did get that one correct. But I also said 50% of the late model races down there would be won by Longhorns, or uh, by non-Longhorns, excuse me, and only one was won by Rocket One. So 75% by Longhorns, I was incorrect there. So our current standings right now, 
So, Bert, you got seven correct, 13 wrong, and uh, 35% um, closing rate there. I got four correct, 11 wrong, 26.7 correct on percentage. Coach Kraus, two correct only, 13 wrong, 13.3. Come on, guy. Come on. Good, Jeff. Three correct, five incorrect, 37.5%. In the peanut gallery as a whole, two correct, four incorrect, 33.3. So, Bert, you are leading the way with correct guesses here in 2024. You're at seven. I'm at four. Good, Jeff, at three. And Coach Krause and the peanut gallery are both at two. And then Good, Jeff, is leading the percentage. The percentage correct. He's at 375 a narrow margin over Bert. Bert, you're at 35. You're almost leading both. So this week's predictions, we make three laps around the track. We're going to make racing, typically racing-related, sometimes sports, but usually racing-related predictions. It's got to be something that either did or did not happen. So I have, I got a couple from the peanut gallery here. So we're going to go Coach Krause, Bert, peanut gallery, then myself, um, Coach Krause. What do you have for your first prediction? First one, we're going World of Outlaw Sprint Cars with my boy Donnie Schatz. He's going to be on the podium three of four nights at uh, at Volusia this week. Okay, Donnie Schatz, you said three of four on the podium. That's right. I hope so. I hope yeah, so. This should be so. this bold prediction should be like golf, low score wins. Because I'm bold. Bert's borderline. <laughs> Ryan, I'll give it to you. But it should be like, like golf, like Dan, new Dan wants in the pickums, low score wins. Yeah, you're, you'd be winning right now. I mean, you, you, that could happen because Shots is, he's won races down there. I mean, he's won races everywhere. But I mean, he come out swinging. Bert, your first one. Um, I have a question first. Is 2023 closed? As far yeah. as our, our bold predictions we're not going back to see if we we're right or wrong on some of them um if he, he's the, our, our statistician is down in florida so if he missed one that's not on there we'll come back to it okay did you have one in mind that well i'm just because i had said that luxembourg speedway won't uh oh they have you a go. promoter uh this summer and i was just uh released over the weekend that luxembourg speedway in luxembourg wisconsin does have a promoter for the upcoming 2024 season. And not only that, they're switching to Friday nights. Uh, so um, so that one will come off the board when he yeah. gets back. Um, okay. He'll be able to kind of get caught up on that one as well. So that'll that'll bring your uh, percentage down <laughs> just a little bit. So, all, all right, right, Bert, your, uh, your first uh, prediction. I thought Krause was going to steal my my thunder here, but um, I'm also going with World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, and Carson Macedo will be on the podium three of the four nights. Okay. So good, Jeff, here, our statistician, down enjoying a little uh, uh, time with his better half in uh, Florida. He said that Donnie Schatz is going to win at least one this week in Volusia. So Schatz is going to win at least one in Volusia. That now, doesn't count. Tell good, I'm going to text. <laughs> I'm going to text Good Jeff right now and tell him that doesn't count. I'm about ready to say I don't think he'll even sniff the podium all weekend. But I mean, like, so I I don't know. I think that's pretty bold myself. Chris Peterson, um, he actually sent one in. We're talking about the big deal, kind of the year of the modified race. There's a few big ones coming up. 
Brandon Davis is going to win the big deal at the Mississippi Thunder Speedway. Brandon Davis is a hell of a race car driver, second in the USRA points, and he's won a lot of races. So Brandon Davis is going to win. Hemp sent us one here as well, and this he's going uh, he's going Volusia this week for the modifieds, the Herminator. Kenny Wallace going to finish top ten in the Gator Championship Saturday night in the A main. So there's that one, and then we have Curtis. Curtis sent us three picks. No Kenny this week. He didn't get picks in on time or predictions in, but we got three from Curtis. And he said this, Brandon Shepard will win at least two A-mains before March 1st. Could happen this week. He's good at East Bay. Got to find some speed. You think he can win two guys before March 1st? Maybe if RTJ and Pierce stay home, possibly. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with my first pick and I'm going to, I'll go, you know what? I'll go down to the world of outlaw sprint cars as well. I'm going to do a little parlay here. Prost said he likes bold predictions. I'm going to go bold. Okay. Rico Abreu is going to win at least two. And Donnie Schatz will have no more than one podium this week at Volusia. Just to go against your guys is right there. All right, Coach Cross, back to you. Uh, we're going to East Bay. We're going to go um, – there's going to be five different winners at the six events of the six features at East Bay. Five different winners. That would be cool. That would be cool. Bert? I am also going to East Bay, and I'm going to say that um, – Hudson O'Neill will have the highest average finish uh, throughout the entire week. That's going to be very similar to Good Jeff's pick here, and he's going to go with a little parlay action. So the combination of Ashton Winger, Hudson O'Neill, and Turbo, that combination will have a higher average finish over the whole week than RTJ, Brandon Shepard, and TMAC. Curtis, his second one. At the end of the 2024 season, RTJ will be the dirt on dirt number one late model driver in America to close out the 2024 season. Okay, my second one here. I'm going to go Volusia. I'm going to go Volusia in the mods. And I'm going to go with Dustin Sorensen, who's down there running a modified, a longhorn for Craig Shaw. So he's going to run mods this week, and he's going to run late models the following week. Dustin Sorensen will have at least two podiums during the prelim part of the week. So that's Monday through Friday. He'll have at least two podiums. And he'll finish in the top 10 in the Gator Championship A-Main on Saturday night. All right, Coach Krause, white flag's out. <clears throat> Final lap, what do you got? We're going to Volusia. We're going to Mods, and I've been watching it here tonight. And Actually, uh, someone just punted Leach. Um, he was running about third or fourth. Good race up front right now with Strickler. And, uh, what features out there? What features? Uh, I think it's, it's the last one. It's six. Okay. Okay. Um, 
one of the feature three was stacked. It had everybody in it. Um, I can't remember who won it, but um, it's been pretty good racing so far tonight, but they're all up on the cushion right now. Um, I've been watching, so I'm going to go um, out of the top, the top five, there's going to be four different chassis builders at Volusia and the Mods finishing in the top five. I had to go bold. I was going to go three, but you know what? We got to go a little bit bolder, Bert. So you taking notes on this now? Um, so I went, I went four out of five chassis builders. And I tell you what, looking at Ruman's really, really fast night. Stremmy's been fast. There's been elites fast. There's been a Longhorns fast. There might be a chance. You, you could be onto something there. We'll find out. Bert, your second or your third pick here. What do you got? You keep telling me to go bolder, but I keep getting them wrong. <laughs> well, maybe that's the um, plan. Maybe that's well, the plan. I guess after last week, this one may not be as bold as what it would have been otherwise. But I am going to say also at Volusia, uh, Cole Zarneski will finish in the top 10 in the Gator feature on Saturday. Okay. Okay. All right. Good, Jeff's third and final prediction. Though there's four nights of uh, World of Outlaw Sprint Car action this week at Volusia. High limit regulars that are on the list in attendance will have a higher average finish than the World of Outlaw regulars over the week. Kind of interesting. So we're going to have to kind of, he's going to have to do some math. He's a statistician, so he's on it. We'll see how that works out. Jim gave me one, and uh, he said, uh, he wanted to go really bold. He said he's he's kind of sick of Kraus whining all the time, so he wanted to go really bold. RTJ is going to win at least one at East Bay this week. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. He said he goes. He goes. I had to say that and get that out there because I wanted to see his reaction. <laughs> we got one. He sucked at East Bay last year, but I, the odds of him not winning one is not very good, right? So, so Curtis's final one here. Um, we're going to talk late models here, okay? In the 2024 season, the Rocket rocket as a whole, not counting the house car. So this excludes Hudson O'Neill. But between all the World of Ola A-Mains and all the Lucas Oil A-Mains, Rocket Chassis will have no more than five A-Mains wind all year long in World of Ola and Lucas Oil. That's bold. That's bold. And I'm going to go my third and final pick here. Sue. I'm going to go with a parlay. You know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go World of Outlaw Sprint Cars here. The World of Outlaw Sprint Car Championship is going to end exactly in this order. David Gravel, Carson Macedo, Logan Schuhart. That will be your top three specifically in that order in the championship points for 2024. So we'll push that one out a bit. So there it is. Uh, episode, what is that? 211 in the book. Um, a lot of racing this week. Looking forward to seeing East Bay, Volusia. Bert, what do you got? I have a couple of things. Um, it was announced on Facebook uh, that uh, Eastern Wisconsin will have a new uh, late model driver, uh, Kyle Frederick, who has raced IMSA stock cars, 
posted that uh, he will be racing a late model on a limited basis this year. Uh, he said he had an op opportunity that a car owner wanted to field a late model, and he was given the opportunity to uh, to drive it, and he said it was too good to pass up. So he's going to be racing a late model at some shows. Uh, he's still going to race IMCA stock car also, so he'll be doing double duty when he races the late model. And then the other thing is, I uh, just got to give a shout out to Jason Fager for winning uh, down in New Zealand. Uh, beat Bobby Pierce, so Bobby Pierce can't win them all. Um, <laughs> and uh, that track down there seats 15,000 people. I, I went to their website and it seats 15,000 people. <laughs> and it looked like there was 14,500 there. It was full. <laughs> there, there, there had to have been double the people there than was at the bush, at the bushlight class right i mean there's way more people there and you know what else i noticed at that deal down in new zealand the energy right i mean they were hooting and hollering and cheering and screaming that's kind of missing here stateside we don't we don't quite have that environment as much as we used to so um that that was good to see down down under so with that said, that's 211 in the books. Guys, fun to talk some racing. A lot to catch up on here this week. We'll keep everybody in the loop. And uh, if anybody has bold predictions, send them our way. You know, we'll get we'll get you on the list and um, put down in the comments below. Any comments you have, just, just start hammering. Punch them buttons down there. Let us know what you think. And thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm Ryan. That is Coach Krause. That's Bert Lehman. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show.